I am excited. I always get worried when I have to preach, but I'm excited about this, I tell you. You'll find out why shortly, as soon as I find out where I'm up to. All right. You could actually search, I reckon, the Scriptures for a long, long time and to find a passage as encouraging as the one we're going to look at today, you'd be struggling. I reckon this sums the whole deal up, the whole deal up. Will you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to be reading slowly and deliberately through verses 3 to 9. And I hope I do this well because this is so important. It's so encouraging to us as Christians but to those of you who don't know Christ, there's some things that you can learn here and maybe be challenged by as well. Peter wrote this letter to the Christians who were living in five regions of uh, Asia Minor and covering a geographical area about half the size of uh, Victoria. And many of these Christians were new in their faith. In fact, most of them, I think, were Gentiles. They weren't uh, Jewish people. And because their lives had been so completely transformed by Jesus, their lives had completely turned around, they now found themselves living like aliens in their own land. And these five regions are under Roman uh, rule, and they were, which was led by a pretty treacherous governor by the name of uh, Nero, who probably you have heard of. And there doesn't seem to be any official state persecution going on at that time. The persecution was coming more from the, the Roman population. And why was that? Because the Christians refused to go along with the local religious sort of practices that were there. And they would meet together on their own and they would share communion together. They would break bread and they would take the wine and they would do those things uh, so that they were regarded with real suspicion and they were treated with hostility. Sort of sounds like people in uh, 2015 that are really following Jesus in any town that you live in or any school that you're in or any university in or any family that you're in too. No different whatsoever. It wasn't illegal to be a Christian back then, but the reality was in this place that if you were a Christian, you were going to cop it left, right and centre. It was just going to happen. The major purpose of the letter seems to be an appeal by Peter uh, for Christians not to turn away from the gospel they have heard proclaimed to them and that they have believed. And so therefore it's the very same message that we have. So this morning you and I absolutely need our lives um, to be shaped and to be reshaped and then shaped again by these words. So can we really take these words very, very seriously this morning but be highly, highly encouraged by them as well. Let's read the passage. I think, oh, thanks, um, uh, Jane. This is great. I love this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. End of sermon. need to read that five times. You don't need anything else, but I'm going to try and expand just a little bit in a short period of time. This demands hours to talk about, but we've got minutes, so let's have a look and see. We have to remember first when we're looking at these verses that we're living in the same era as the people that... Peter was writing to you back then. You're going, hang on a second, they wore different stuff, they were in different, yep, that's true. But we're actually living in what you could call between the already and the not yet. 
the already is that Jesus has already been on earth, God incarnate on earth. He has lived, he has breathed, he has died for our sin on the cross, he's been buried and then he has risen again and now sits at the right hand of the Father. That's already happened. The not yet is that he's coming again. And that's the bit that we're waiting for. And these Christians, it was the same for them. So in the same situation. Don't you love the way Peter first begins? What's the first thing he says? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I bet he got his pen and put a great big exclamation mark. There's one there, but I reckon he put a really, really big exclamation mark right there. Whenever we start, why should we not give praise to God first? Look what he's done for us. So give him praise first. And that's what he does. Then he steps straight into, in my Bible, he steps into a 63-word sentence that would have got me in trouble with my English teacher because of the length of it. But it's jam-packed with really, really good stuff, with amazing stuff too. So let's look at it bit by bit. Okay, so I've got it there on the screen if uh, some of you don't, haven't got it there. So we start again with that, that uh, the opening with praise. And then he goes into, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So there's three things there, isn't there? First of all, there's three things in that passage, mercy, new birth, and living hope. Let's quickly look at each of those. First, in his great mercy. Why do you have to be merciful? What's all that about? This is a great reminder of God's mercy to us. We needed mercy before we knew him. We were dead in our sins, but he searched us out and saved us. There's nothing we could do to save ourselves. We couldn't do anything. We weren't capable of doing that. So he has searched us out and in his great mercy, when we deserve death because of our sin, he saved us. God cannot tolerate sin. So he needed to have mercy on us and he did that by sending his son, the Lord uh, Jesus, to save us from our sins. Secondly, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth. When we were born again, when we believed in Jesus, this is our new birth. We were given new life in Christ. Remember the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus? Nicodemus was really trying to work stuff out, wasn't he? He was really trying to work stuff out. And in John chapter 3, it says this. This is Jesus talking to him. I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. And when we become followers of Jesus, we are born again. We are born in spirit. This is our new birth that Peter is reminding these people about. And we can be reminded about ourselves that we are born in spirit. This is our new birth. And thirdly, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Probably my favourite one of the whole lot. Into a living hope. What is this living hope that Peter is encouraging us with and reminding us of? Hope's a pretty interesting word, isn't it? A very interesting word. Because when the world uses hope, it goes, well, gee, I hope everything's okay. Cross your fingers. Knock on wood. Don't smash any mirrors or you might get seven years bad luck. Don't walk under that ladder. Good luck. Hope it works out for you. That's how the world sees hope. And when you go to funerals, that are non-Christian funerals, I'm very, very saddened to hear some of the things that they say, all these things that they have made up because they need to hope in something. They need something to happen somewhere. They're hoping that somewhere out in the universe there's something that's going to save them. So they say stupid things like, well, Bill will be up there playing cricket. Have you heard that before? And everybody nods and smiles because there's no hope. There's no real hope in what's going on. The world does not understand hope. And we will like it too. 
Ephesians 2.12 reminds us exactly what we were like before uh, we knew Jesus. It says, remember at that time you were separate from Christ without hope and without God in the world. We are no different, no different whatsoever. When hope is mentioned in the Bible, it's got a completely different meaning than when we use it in a worldly context. I know most of us understand that. The biblical definition of hope is confident expectation. A firm assurance regarding things that are unclear and unknown. Okay? Listen how the, the book of Titus even begins like this. Listen how the book of Titus starts. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. We have this sort of hope, this assurity, because of the character of God. What he says, he means, he doesn't change his mind and he keeps his promises and praise him for that. And where does this living hope come from? Let's read on. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our living hope comes from the result of a risen saviour. And where does that lead us? Let's read on again. It leads us into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Now, you know, I remember when I was a little kid. In fact, I reckon I must have only been about five or six. And uh, we had a guy, it was Uncle Dickie. And I don't know if I even met Uncle Uncle Dickie. All I knew was that Uncle Dickie was very rich. And he owned some place down Seaford somewhere. And then when he was dying, I remember mum and dad being really, really angry because all of the Everybody all of a sudden wanted to gather around him and know him a little bit more, hoping that they might get this inheritance or part of this inheritance. But I also remember when mum and dad were sitting down, and I didn't find out till later what actually happened because I was only a little kid, but I remember them laughing at the kitchen table. What had happened was Uncle Dickie got the whole lot of them. They're expecting this great inheritance, and the next thing they find out is that Uncle Dickie has donated his whole inheritance to a place that looks after pregnant women who are unmarried, apparently of which he donated a number of women to go to that place as well, which is <laughs> another story in itself. But these people are waiting for this inheritance when in actual fact... You know how people sometimes think they have a right to this inheritance? And even as somebody, you can get an inheritance, but guess what? It's going to be gone eventually because you're going to be gone. It's not going to be something that lasts. It might go to somebody else, but it's not something that you can have uh, forever. Legal inheritance refers to actual property or goods received after a family member's death, a house, car, money, placed down in Seaford somewhere. And when you think about it, all of these things one day will fade and spoil, just like Uncle Dickie's inheritance to whoever he was going to lend it to as well. The the scripture, however, transforms this whole concept of inheritance because included in our inheritance, those who belong to Christ, are spiritual blessings and promises from God, including our salvation. Now that's inheritance. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation this is our inheritance and the best thing about our inheritance i reckon this is the best thing at all the person that gives it to us isn't dead interesting thought the person who gives us this inheritance is not dead wow what an encouragement that is unlike legal inheritance the benefactor who is god does not die yet he provides us with the promised inheritance because what we earned it no because we believed in his 
Son. Reading further, we find that this uh, is an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Kept in heaven for you. Okay. Kept in heaven for you. So the inheritance is kept in heaven for those who believe in Jesus. So how does that compare to an inheritance that you might receive here on earth when a relative dies? Well, that's not going to last. It's going to go away one day. It's going to fade away. The inheritance that God has for his people is protected and it is untouchable. It cannot be taken from you. It will not change. It is there. It is definite. And we hope in that because we know that that's going to happen. Matthew 25 34 says this, Then the king, Jesus, will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. If you belong to Christ, you have the best ever inheritance. Be joyful about that. Think on that stuff. It's fantastic. And if you read the next few words in the passage, we find that not only is God keeping our inheritance in heaven for us, guess what? He's also keeping us he's keeping our inheritance in heaven but he's keeping us until such time as we go to be with him and we receive our inheritance it cannot be taken away from us it's there we know it's there but here it cannot be taken away from us because he is shielding us he's protecting us he is keeping us until that time we go to be with him so as well as keeping uh, our inheritance he's keeping us so those of you, even though you're feeling like things are pretty tough at the moment, you belong to the Lord, I've got to let you know that this thing is going to end better than your wildest dreams. There is an inheritance for you. Don't ever forget that. He's given it to us. He's keeping it for us and he's keeping us in the meantime. It's exciting. And then comes the inevitable for those who live for Jesus. Let's have a look at verse 6. In this... You greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Hang on, doesn't God love us? What's with the grief and the trials thing? None of us, I don't know, too many Christians that get up in the morning and say, Lord, if you really love me, send me some grief and trials today. Anybody pray that? Me neither. So what's the purpose of this grief and these trials that we will experience? Well, let's read verse 7. In fact, let's read 6 again so it flows into it. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Listen to this. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus is revealed. That's why. Yes, there will be hardship. John 16.33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Tick. It is finished. He's done those things. He has come. He has overtaken the world. But yes, there will be trouble. He tells us that. So what is God doing during these times of hardship and pain? And I love what a guy called Paul Tripp says about this. Listen to these great words. Help me to understand it even more. Listen carefully. In grace, he leads you where you didn't plan to go in order to produce in you what you couldn't achieve on your own. In these moments... 
He works to alter the values of your heart so that you will let go of your little kingdom of one and give yourself to his kingdom of glory and grace. You see, he is not interested in changing our circumstances as much as he is interested in working through hard circumstances to transform you and me. Isn't it funny? So often God change our circumstances. God change this, change that. He wants to transform us through his grace so that we might grow uh, in him and become more like Jesus. That's why these circumstances come. He allows them to come because of his grace. It's where we see uh, his grace. So, why do these trials come? Let's read verse 7 again just to remind us. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold. Do you realize how important your faith is? Look what it says in the Bible. How important is your faith? Of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Wow. These are great words. These are amazing promises. He has such a purpose for us even in our trials. Let's read verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Are we nuts? Are we nuts? The world must look at it and say, what did you just say? Do you realize what we're saying here? It tells us, that what we're doing as Christians is that we are connecting our deepest love, our deepest belief, our deepest joy and our deepest faith to somebody we've never seen, heard or touched. Sounds stupid, doesn't it? Doesn't make any sense at all to the world. That's because it's a spiritual thing. It's a Holy Spirit that helps us to know these things. But Jesus in his own word, in a conversation that he had with Thomas, you'll remember the conversation he had in John 20 and it said, Jesus told you, remember Thomas he said, I'm not going to believe till I see the scars in his hand. So Jesus said, well, cop this. And he says, Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Thomas probably went. But then he followed it with this. And this is important for us and it's important to the people that Peter was writing this letter to. Listen to these great words. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet what? Believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Thomas saw it, so he believed. The people with him saw and believed. We haven't seen him, we haven't touched him. And yet we believe through the help of the Holy Spirit. And therefore you are a blessed people. Amazing. Verse 9, let's finish this off. Wow. Now I need to read 8 and 9 together. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Is there anything else that you want? Not me. This is the end result of our faith. Remember how important faith is. This is the end result of our faith in a risen Saviour who died at the cross of Calvary for our sins to appease the wrath of God because we couldn't get rid of it, but he could. And so here we are. We receive the goal of our faith, which is the salvation of our souls. Because of our faith in Jesus, even though we've not seen him, we've come alive in him, 
through his Holy Spirit that lives in all believers. Sometimes you mightn't think that it is, but he's there. If you have believed in him, his Holy Spirit lives in you. But get this, through our faith and trust in him, he's given us these things. He's given us mercy. He's given us new birth. He's given us a living hope. He's given us an inheritance that will never, ever, ever perish, spoil or fade. He's refining us by his grace in difficult times. And because of these things, we experience great joy. I wonder when the last thing, you know, I reckon great homework for you would be to, to read this, to take this into prayer on this and then give him praise and remember to be joyful because of this because you are alive because of these things. We're dead in our sins without this, but we are alive in Christ because of these wonderful things that he has done for us. Those of you who belong to Jesus and have been saved by his grace through the faith that he's given you to believe, rejoice. And those of you this morning who don't know Jesus, my prayer would be for you that you might see that God has freely offered you these things through his son, the Lord Jesus. And maybe you're hearing it for the first time. Maybe you're starting to get it for the first time. Maybe you've been sitting in this church for 20 years and you're finally starting to get it too. Good. If God's speaking to you, open your spiritual ears and listen to what he's saying. Because I'd love you to share in my inheritance because it's going to be fantastic. It's not going to fade, perish, anything like that, like the rubbish of the world. It's going to be there forever. And guess what? He's going to keep me while he's keeping that as well. What a promise that is. Let's pray. Father, in your mercy, you gave us new birth and a living hope because of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. Father, forgive us when we ignore these things, when we don't think on them, when we stray from you, Lord God. Would you help us to recognize you each day as our Savior and our Lord and live accordingly in our lives, Father? I just want to pray, Lord God, for those here today who do not know you, that they might consider Jesus this morning and what he has done for them at the cross of Calvary in saving them from their sin that they cannot get rid of themselves and that they might become new creatures in Christ and receive an inheritance that you will keep for them here but you will keep away in heaven for when they come to you. Lord God, we thank you for this morning and uh, we thank you for the truth of your word and we pray now, Lord God, that it might go sharply to our hearts that we might respond to it in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got uh, some personal friends with me. I've got Isaac, Anthony, Leslie. And uh, you get the privilege of actually just being part of our conversation. And uh, so we're going to spend the next uh, 10 or 15 minutes just primarily talking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus in our different situations. Before we do, I'd get these guys to introduce themselves. So we'll start with you, Isaac, and Anthony, and then Leslie. So I'm a, a, a student at Monash University. I'm doing a Bachelor of Commerce, and I'm in my last year at the moment. And I've been coming here for about five, six months now. So, yeah, it's been really good. <laughs> Thank you. Good day. My name's Anthony. Uh, Michelle and I have been here just over two years. 
and we have four kids. Um, I work full time and when I'm not working I'm chasing kids and uh, working in the garden when I can. Um, my name's Leslie. I've been attending this church for about a hundred years. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I'm a wife. I've been married for 38 years and I'm a mother and a grandmother. So I'm very proud of my, um, yeah, my, both all my kids and my grandchildren. And I work um, with my husband side by side in the same office selling real estate. Just on that, Leslie, how does that work? How, do, how can you sort of uh, be a Christian real estate agent? That's kind of an interesting, <laughs> interesting There's Christian. not many. <laughs> um, look, we pride ourselves on having integrity and um, honesty, and we also... Um, have a reputation about caring about people that we have as clients and purchasers as well. So that is a huge focus for me because I know how it's such a big deal to sell your home or to buy a home. So I like people to feel comfortable and, yeah, just just relaxed about the whole situation, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. That's great. What about um, you, Anthony, in, in your workplace? Um, what are some of the challenges you face being a Christian in that type of environment? I think uh, the general things that probably everyone faces where you you have a, an opportunity to follow the crowd or an opportunity to stand apart. Uh, in my industry, it's environmental science. There's quite a lot of ethical issues. So the company is well aware of that. Um, constantly choices where you could let the ethics slip a little bit, but I think the company prides itself on not doing that where other companies do. But on a more personal level, um, there are people in the office who are nominally Catholic and you can tell that they go to church at Christmas and Easter and they, they tick the Catholic box on the census form and that's as far as their faith goes. Um, but being a, a paid-up Jesus follower means uh, walking a walk, it's a relationship, uh, and you need to make that obvious. Um, so the people who are, are not believers in the office see, see Catholics and they see Anthony, um, and you have to let them know that your faith is dynamic and living, and it, it's not just you, you tick the, the, the Protestant box on the, the census form, that they see it in the way you live and the, the things you say, that you uh, don't follow the crowd and you're not just a Christmas and Easter Christian. Thanks. What about in your environment, Isaac? What are some of the challenges that you face in, in following the Lord? Um, so I think it's kind of similar to Anthony because it's so easy to be caught up in what the rest of the crowd is doing um, as opposed to what you, know, you should be doing as a follower of Jesus. And I've only become a Christian, well, it's only become personal to me in the last maybe year. And so I'm still pretty... Um, immature in my faith, I guess. And, yeah, one of the biggest things that God's done for me is he's introduced me to a, a Christian group on campus uh, called Student Life, and that's just allowed me to to be around people that are like-minded and, as you know, walking with God and um, struggling with 
the same things that you're struggling with. And so that's just been a big help for me. But prior to that, it was just living sort of a double life, really. Like I was going to church on Sunday, and from you know Monday to Saturday, I was you know just living just like everyone else was. Great. So, what are some of the real challenges that you face? You know, you've all talked about different environments. Um, what do you think is some of the challenges, but also some of the joys in in following? Jesus and your different functions. Like I know Anthony, you're a dad, so talk to me a little bit about that. You know, you've got four kids, and yeah, yeah. Michelle and I spoke about this last night. I think it warms our hearts and makes us proud when we see uh, the kids go to to kids' church and they come out and we we ask them, "What did you learn?" And they they tell us the details that they remember, and it becomes like a bit of a game where they give us clues and we have to guess what the story was. <laughs> So there's a, a guy with a coat and they steal his coat and put him in a hole. Uh, it sounds like Joseph. And so we talk through the, the lesson uh, and then we draw it out of them, what they remember and what they learnt and we fill out the picture a bit more for them. And then when they come back to us in a few days' time or, or maybe longer and just repeat back to us what they learnt but they use their own words, um, you see that it's sunk in and they've understood it enough to, to speak it in their own way. So that's a great joy and a privilege. Um, yeah, I imagine that. that's wonderful isn't it? when your kids actually get it mm. and they yeah, understand right. the truth of, of the Bible. That's wonderful. Isaac, what about in, in your environment, mate? What, what are some of the joys that, you know, struggles and joys? And just, just talk to us a little about that, you know, maybe home life or whatever it may be. Um, so I, I think for me personally, I struggle a lot in my thought life and just to stay pure you know, before God and the things that I do, the things that I say. And, you know, like every day it's a struggle. But just to see God come through in my life, you know, just to get me through another day, like just living on his grace. And, you know, you don't always do what you want to do. But um, just knowing, like, and resting in the fact of who you are in Jesus and what he's already done for you, it's a big thing and it takes the pressure off um, me, like, totally off my shoulders and in the past before I really understood the gospel I thought um, well every time that I started sinning again I thought it was just hopeless because you know I'd stuffed up and you know is my faith genuine and I'd just fall back into sin thinking you know it's it's just useless and when I fully understood the gospel knowing that you know Jesus has done it all for you and that God doesn't see any sin in you when, when you become a Christian that takes all the pressure off you um, and puts it on him. So, yeah, just seeing how he's come through um, day by day, it allows you, and seeing how, how he's become faith, seeing how faithful he is in, in your past actually allows you to carry that into the future when you're not sure of what's going to happen. So, Great, wonderful testimony. Leslie, since you've been here 100 years, <laughs> what are some of the joys? Just talk to us a little about that. You know, everyone says, oh, being a grandma, it's just amazing. And I used to think, what is it about grandchildren? Like, I needed to get to the bottom of this. So now I have. I've got my own. And I seriously cannot believe the joy you get even watching them pick up a spoon. Like, I look at them and I look at those little fingers and I just... 
I'm pathetic. <laughs> Can we move the song a little bit? I can't help it. It's amazing. It's just incredible. They're just so beautiful. And, yeah, that's just a real joy for me. And we've got a little baby arriving at the end of May and another one in November. So, yeah, be full on at Myrtleford this Christmas. <laughs> I guess in conclusion, I just want you guys just to ponder this and just um, give us all a bit of an encouragement. What's one thing that, as you've followed Jesus over the last six months, that that you just want to encourage us with uh, as a body of believers? Just one thing, just one thing. So I might start with you, Leslie. Look, um, I find it really hard at work. People say you know, you're nice and you're this and you're that and you're lovely and you're the best real estate agent in the whole world. Except I want them to know it's because of God in my life that that's, you know, I just want, that's what I want people to see and it's really hard to, um, I, I just would love people to know that's why we're so caring and, you know, everything like that. That's a challenge um, we had one of our girls the other day, she struggled at work um, with lots of things in her family life and everything like that. And she said to me the other day, she said, she doesn't believe in God. And she said to me, Leslie, I'm really going to pray about this sale. And I thought, yes, like even something like that, that really gave me a lift and it was a joy to me to hear her say that even though she's praying to a God, she doesn't even believe in, but something is getting out there, so that's a joy. That's wonderful, it's been light and salt, isn't it? That's what yeah, the Bible talks and, about and, and we don't need to preach to people, you know slam them with Bible verses and all the rest of it, all we need to do is show Jesus love and and I feel like Working in the hills, one of my girlfriends once said to me, Leslie, I think you were put in those hills to weave God's love through those hills. And I thought, oh, that's nice. And, yeah, I'll keep on doing that. Great, thanks. You might need to buy a new phone as well. (laughs) (laughs) Anthony. Uh, yeah, sorry, what was the question? Something. <laughs> I was picking things up. Something to encourage yeah, everyone. Yeah, just to encourage us uh, that you know, you've been encouraged in the last six months by what the Lord's doing in your own life, in your own walk. So just a piece of encouragement for us. Yeah. Uh, I think the office I work in only has 12 people, so we all know each other pretty well. Um, when I put it out that, I, that I'm a Christian, I go to church, uh, everyone in the office will know it. Uh, and it, I think it, it keeps you on your toes, but on the other hand, it opens opportunities where someone recalls something about church or they have a question or they've heard something and they know you're a church person, so they'll ask you. And you don't have to do much more than let people know. And then it almost seems like they come to you. That's, my, that, that's been my experience. So uh, one of the women I work with grew up in Poland in the 60s or maybe earlier, and she was explaining that they went to Catholic church every week to prove they weren't communists. And that, that was why they went. It was a duty. Uh, so when I talk about church and I talk about community and fellowship and all the friends I have here, it, it stands in contrast to her experience. Uh, so it was, it was really only me letting her know that I go to church uh, that prompted her to ask. Um, I think if you'd asked me five years ago how I'm growing and how God is working on me, I'd 
talk about trust and reliance on him uh, and how he builds my faith and shows me over and over again uh, that he's reliable. And I think the, the answer is still the same today when I think about it. I, I'd say that now and I'd, I'd say that in the past. But the lesson keeps changing and you learn where you can rely on him in, in broader areas than you, than you already do. Uh, and I see friends and colleagues who go through the same issues that I go through. They, they have kids and the kids get sick and work is hard and all sorts of things go on. But that happens to me too. And I have a church family and I have Jesus. Uh, it doesn't hit me as hard when something goes wrong as it does with colleagues who don't know Jesus. Um, I've mm-hmm. observed that fairly recently and I've, it's been shown to me through them and, and through my own experience that Jesus is reliable. Wonderful, wonderful testimony. He's faithful to the end. Isaac, what do you want to share with us, mate? My encouragement would be just well, looking at my own life and like 12 months ago, I never thought I'd be sitting up here and you know, or I never thought that I'd be a Christian and that my faith would be personal. Um, just seeing how far God's brought me um, over the last six months, you know, just through a lot of good teaching and just reading the word and bringing people in my life, um, and just bringing me back to Him, like um, most of all, that's 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 the real miracle. And to see how He comes through for you time and time again, um, it just proves to you how faithful He really is. And you know, before I became a Christian, I'd always hear people say, "Oh, well, God is good," you know, "God is good," and it sort of just really irritate me because I couldn't see how He was good in my life. And so, you know, just to see that it's actually true. Um, and that he does take care of you and that he has the best for you in his mind, no matter what it is. Like, that's the biggest thing. And, yeah, just to, one of the biggest things he's shown me is you don't know what's best for you, only he does. And, um, yeah, you can just rest in the fact that whatever he brings your way, it's it's for your ultimate good. And that's just been a real encouragement to me to see how faithful he's been in my life. Wonderful, mate, because that's such an encouragement to us as well. Uh, and um, so thank you for your honesty, all three of you, and thank you for just sharing with us uh, what real life down the trenches following Jesus looks like because uh, it is encouraging to all of us. He is faithful. His grace is sufficient for all, and uh, that's a mighty, mighty story. Thanks, guys. This morning, uh, you are here to witness a baptism in water baptism, and we as a church are very excited. I'm going to invite Courtney and her mum, Catherine, to come up uh, as they head up. I just want to introduce Courtney. Some of you may not know who Courtney is. You may have seen her around. Um, she is engaged to a guy called Nathan Brown, who's been coming here for maybe, what, how many years since you were born? Yeah. 22 years old. So um, when I first... When I first met um, Courtney, um, all I knew her was as Nathan's girlfriend. But in getting to know Courtney, Beck and I have been getting to know both these guys recently, and it's been a joy to see a young woman who is growing in her faith, who loves Jesus, and this is an expression of that this morning. Uh, I'm going to get out of the way because you're here to hear her testimony, to hear what God has been doing in her life. So, Courtney. First of all, I do want to say thank you to Canterbury for continuing to run the baptism service, even though 
I am the only one being baptised today, so um, potentially jeopardising, I don't know, your green star rating or what have you. <laughs> um, I'll limit my showers this week. Um, I'll time them. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Courtney. Um, you probably do know Nathan. He is my fiancé, and he's the reason that Canterbury Gardens is now my home church, which is great. Um, so I have wanted to get baptised for a little while now, but to be honest, um, standing up here and giving my testimony is really daunting, and so it's been a bit of a mental barrier for me. So I'm sorry if I sound nervous. I am. But I really want to take this opportunity to thank the people in my life who are here and can't be here today for helping to shape my life until this point, um, whether it be challenging me or confirming things for me, um, encouraging me, um, encouraging me to think differently or even just sort of breaking down some of the Christian jargon that I don't always understand. I really appreciate it. So whether these people are Christian or not Christians, basically you've helped me to grow my desire to live a Christ-centred life. So for that, I'm really thankful. So there are some really key moments that have sort of pointed me in the direction of Christianity. However, Nathan Potts was very strict on the five-minute time limit and... (laughs) James Brown is a sucker for um, cueing the Oscars music before a speech is up, so I thought I'd be quick. Um, So for those of you who haven't witnessed a baptism before and are wondering what a baptism does for my relationship with God, a baptism is not my golden ticket into heaven. Um, It won't safeguard me against future pain, hurt or struggle um, that life can bring and it doesn't fill my life with any more opportunity than sort of my non-Christian counterpart. Um, My decision to get baptised today is rather a public declaration for my desire to lead a life that glorifies God and not my own. My baptism is my way of outwardly acknowledging that my life is in constant relationship with him. So although I said my baptism doesn't ensure that my life is free from hurt or suffering, it serves as a reminder that my decision to walk with Jesus um, means that I will never walk alone. So this is particularly important for me to remember because I've always been, I guess, quite independent or like to think that I'm quite independent. If I want something done, I believe that I have to do it. I can't rely on anyone else and I struggle to sort of trust people. Um, But this for me is really detrimental and sometimes soul-destroying because what happens when I fail and can't achieve what I want to? Because I didn't think I'd cry. (laughs) (laughs) Because what happens when all my self-esteem is tied up in what I can achieve? So, and then what happens when I fall into a heap because I believe I'm self-sufficient? Who's going to pull me out of that heap? So I guess sitting here week after week and sort of staring at this illustration, a verse that jumps out to me is, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. And so to be honest, The valley of the shadow of death sounds horrible. I'd hate it. I don't want to be there. Of a night time, I make Nathan accompany me from the front door to my car because I'm scared that baddies are going to be out there because the street lights in his street are really poor. Um, (laughs) So me in the valley of the shadow of death, I'd be a sook, I'd struggle, I'd complain the whole time, and I just don't want to be alone. 
So for me, I guess that's my declaration. Now that obviously I'm a Bible-believing Christian, this is my declaration that I no longer have to go through life alone and that Jesus will be by my side every step of the way. So thank you. As Courtney's mother, it's very comforting to know that God holds her in the palm of his hand. He will never leave her nor forsake her. Even when she is in the valley, he will be there pushing her along. He goes before her, he's behind her and he's beside her. He will carry her when she can't walk alone and he will just know let her know how much he does love her and adore her. And as a parent, it's very comforting to know that we don't have to do it alone either. You know, we only have our children for a short time and then we have to let them leave the nest. And that's a struggle. So for me, the comfort is that he will hold her in the palm of his hand and he will hold her tightly. I have a scripture for her. It's a scripture that I hold very dear and um, I asked her this morning what scripture she would like me to read and it's the same one that I actually have on the classroom, at the door of my classroom for many, many years. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 and 12. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. You will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Even though sometimes we think he's not listening, he will listen. He might answer the way you want it, but he will be listening. And he does have plans for you. And I just adore you. Praise God. How awesome is our great God. If you do not know Jesus, I would encourage you to come and talk to these ladies, maybe after, so grab someone here who you may know and ask, what was Courtney talking about? As you've seen, Courtney shared her heart and what God has done in her life. We're going to go and um, head out now um, to the sort of the spa out there. It's going to be nice and warm for us, not for the rest of you, maybe in the sun. Um, but please come and join us uh, as we head off and get ready and we'll be uh, heading out. So come in. Uh, maybe if you need to grab a kid, maybe grab your kids and just come around. Thanks.